Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Listening to Coffee with Kenobi, you are with Dan Z, the podcast you're looking for. This is <laughs> Previously on Coffee with Kenobi. But the photos, I was like, hmm, I wonder if there's something there. I love the best family portraits. I know so that could be really fun. There's some fun stuff you could do there. They also have just a, a they also have a category under photos for just funniest. Nice. <laughs> what that means could be anything. I wonder there will be a scatological humor it. category. Yeah. So mm. that, that so means open. fart jokes, by the way. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Yes, always entertaining picking out the clips for the beginning of these shows. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Kenobi, show number 133. I'm your host, Dan Z, drinking One Nation coffee out of a 40th anniversary Star Wars coffee mug. My hope is that CWK will have you think about the mythology of Star Wars in a whole new way and hopefully laugh a little bit in the process. Basically, you are among friends as we go to our favorite coffee shop together and talk some Star Wars. On today's show... Aaron Sagers and Neil Harrington join us as we have a breakdown of the character of Beckett from Solo, A Star Wars Story, continuing our thread there. We've had Solo, we've had Lando, we've had Kira, and now we move on to Beckett, Han Solo's surrogate mentor. I guess that's an interesting way to describe it. See what you think after we've talked about this on today's show. We also have San Diego Comic-Con tips with Aaron Sagers, and in the news segment, we have some information on casting for episode 9 that is really, really awesome that I think longtime Star Wars fans are going to be absolutely thrilled about. So pull up a chair, grab your favorite coffee mug, 
and let's have some coffee with Kenobi. And now, let's see what's brewing in the Star Wars universe this week. A couple of things before we kick the show off. For one thing, of course, I'm going to San Diego Comic-Con next week. Love hearing myself say that. I know I've said this on previous shows, but just knowing that I'm going to this Nirvana place where all of these amazing events have happened in the history of Star Wars and in comic books and entertainment, I just can't wait to bring the coverage to you. I love covering conventions anyway. Honestly, it is going to be a little bit different, not covering a major con with Corey Club, but hey, he will be there with me in spirit, and I can't wait to bring this with you. I'm going to have a lot of stuff on our CWK lens, on Insta Story, a lot of stuff on Patreon, and it's going to be fantastic, and I am setting up a lot of interviews, which I'm really looking forward to bringing your way. Plus, we're going to have that Clone Wars panel that I'm going to do my very best to get a good seat for, and I'm going to try to live tweet that if at all possible. And as long as the crowds aren't too crazy, and I'm sure they probably will be, but I have faith that we'll be able to kind of navigate through the force will be with me, of course. It's going to be tremendous, tremendous fun. Also, I want to thank Tim Drury, who asked me uh, earlier in the year, actually probably late last year, to come to his Rotary Club. And it's a, a huge organization, of course. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the Rotary Club. And they're just a bunch of leaders and go-getters in the community. He was kind enough to ask me to speak, and I got to talk to everybody today about how this show got started and about becoming a teacher and just a lot of different things that have kind of helped blend who I am and helping me follow my passion. So again, thank you, Tim. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Joining us today for a cup of coffee is on-camera TV host, journalist, and professional nerd, Aaron Sagers. Hi, guys. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on today, Dan. You bet. Now now you are a, a veteran of coffee with Kenobi since we had you on when we were at uh, Galactic Nights uh, in May. I hardly think that that makes me a veteran, uh, but that's very kind of you to say. Um, <laughs> I, I still feel like I need a couple more appearances before I earn my uh, my merit badge or my uh, my blazer with there you the go. Uh, Coffee with Kenobi patch. Wouldn't that be wonderful? A nice, crisp orange blazer, kind of like the, winning the Masters. I like that idea. I like that. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always for a, a good blazer. So yeah. <laughs> okay, noted, noted. Also joining us is freelance Star Wars writer Neil Harrington. Hey, what's up, guys? Ready to nerd out with you too, uh, man? Let's do this. I'm excited. Let's do this. Neil and I met for the first time when I did the Denny's event in California. What was that back? In, was that in May or April? Gosh, I, don't, I think it was April. I mean, it That's seems like many moons ago now. It was April, now that I mentioned it, because it was spring break. Yeah, but we, Neil and I hit off right away. He actually was not that far away. He's in Missouri. So we had a little bit of baseball talk, which was fun. All right, let's get down to business. The past month, we've been doing solo character breakdowns. We've looked at Han. We've looked at Lando. We've looked at Kira. And now we get into some areas where the characters are not as necessarily pronounced. But that doesn't mean they're any less important. So I thought for today's show, we would look at Beckett and we would look at Enfys Nest. So, gentlemen, let's talk about Beckett first. What kind of character do you think he is? What kind of purpose do you believe that he serves? Yes, we know he's something of, of a for, or a mentor for Solo, but I think there's a little bit more to him than that. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, I think that Beckett is definitely sort of the proto solo um the proto han if you will um and 
what I like about him is that even though he ends up, I mean, he is a man of conviction. I will say this, like, and and that conviction is self-serving and it's his own personal uh, mission statement of such, but, um, and he is a scoundrel, but he is one that has his own, uh, honor code. Like it, and, and I like that kind of like honorable thief, uh, scoundrel, uh, personality that he brings to the film solo. Uh, and, and he also has a bit of that, that humor and swagger that I think Han draws even more from. I, I, yeah, I agree. He's, he's almost like sort of a fountain that I like that draws from. I think that's very, 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 very much in play. Neil, what is it about Becca that is interesting to you? Well, first off, right off the bat, I mean, what he does with those blasters is really cool when he flips them around and yes. even Han makes that remark. So that's my favorite part about him superficially. But yeah, like Aaron said, I mean, he, he pretty much hit the nail on the head on that. I mean, it's almost a mirror of what Han Solo is going to become, or at least front as for many years. But, you know, just like Kira tells Han, like, you know, Han's got a heart of gold more so than Beckett. But it's almost like setting the tone for what we're going to see of Han Solo for the next decade or so of taking on almost like Beckett passing that pistol to him earlier, you know, the DL-44 in the film. He's almost, when you know, when Han shoots first here, I mean, we know that for sure, or Han just shoots that, at least how I interpret it, Han's taking that mantle from Beckett in that regard. Right. Yeah. I think I think so. Go ahead, Aaron. Oh, and I was I was going to just add to that. The other thing that I I happen to like, um, I mean, I I really enjoyed uh, the the solo film. So let, let me just say that, like, I I am happen to be a big fan of it. But the other thing I happen to like about Tobias Beckett is that one thing that the writers give us is that he has this rich backstory and is connected to, um, you know, the, 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 the Star Wars history previous to this, to, uh, you know, for example, uh, R.S. Singh, like, you know, that's, that's something that's interesting to me and kind of falls in line with the tradition of star Wars that people show up with a, with a history behind them, things that are connected to other things. And that does not mean I need to see all of those backstories, but it's interesting for me to think about just the fact that this guy has been bouncing around for a while. So who else uh, may he have encountered again? I don't need to see all of those stories. I like filling in the backstory myself, but it's kind of cool that he has been around. Yes, when when he announced that he um, that we found out he was the one that you know it was not that he killed her it was the fall that killed her. There there is a certain panache to that that's that's somewhat gruesome, but also just very much it's in line with the charm. And I think Woody Harrelson, of course, he's a he's a pretty impactful, charismatic actor. He's been around for a very long time, and it, sometimes it's hard when you're watching film. Some actors just can't escape their personas. And I think Woody Harrelson has fallen into that trap on occasion. I don't think he did it as much in the hunger games. And I really don't think he did it in solo. When I was watching solo at first, I thought, Oh, there's Woody Harrelson. But then he started talking and acting and twirling the blasters around and mentoring Han and not mentoring Han and his relationship with Val. And I thought, no, this is Beckett. This is Beckett 
all the way through and through. And I think he he's very interesting. I don't think uh, I mean we get, we'll talk about the end of course, but let's talk about his relationship with Val. I I read somewhere that Val isn't so much a character as she is uh, an attitude or a temperament, and because she doesn't have a lot of on screen time. But I do think that she sort of humanizes him. Now, do either of you think that the character of Val was necessary to helping define Beckett, or do you think? We had enough of a sample size of him at the beginning anyway that we didn't need that particular character to bounce off of. Yeah, Dan, that's a good question. I mean, I thought she complimented him really well uh, because I've heard a lot of criticism of how they use Val. Like people wanted more screen time. And of course, I mean, she's a fantastic actress, but I thought she was perfect because, I mean, that line that she tells him when they're sitting around the campfire and she's like, you know, basically says that even this rundown scoundrel, I'm paraphrasing here, like, you know, needs somebody too. And she almost held him down. So when, whenever she sacrificed himself, I think that really shifted his path from maybe more of a noble, honorable one and a code, like Aaron said, which he still maintains. And that was gone whenever she, you know, sacrificed herself so they can finish the job. So I thought she was a good compliment to him. And I mean, even though we didn't get very much screen time of her, like her small role in there was very impactful in terms of developing Beckett from that point forward. I would agree with that. Uh, I would agree with that. And I understand the criticisms by fans and some of my own colleagues, uh, journalists about this character is that some people say that she was a bit of a waste of a character that she didn't get enough screen time and I get that. I, I, I understand some of their criticisms. But for me, when I look at this character, especially you know, when you have a an actor such as Thandi Newton, who is just a, a an exceptional talent portraying this character for such a short amount of time, for me, that imbues more importance in Beckett's character, that you have this big actor taking on the role as sort of the partner of this, this, uh, this, this scoundrel, this gangster, uh, not even a gangster. I can't even call Beckett really a gangster, but, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this grifter, um, that, that creates even more tension for me and even more importance in, in his character, because you have such a, a a gifted actor such as Sandy Newton portraying Val. So um, I I think her character was important. I think it, it, even though she is someone that I could spend more time with, I do feel like her sacrifice and the time that we did get with her on screen was important to kind of adding significance to his character. So what do the two of you say when people say, well, how did she sacrifice anything? Because she blows up this train track so that they can get away. But of course, it doesn't even work. Now, you know, the best laid plans don't always fall, but it's the intent. It's it's what she's trying to do. And, you know, she has no idea of what's going to happen, but it was a very noble act. But did it have to happen? I guess no. you said the same thing about Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, in The New Hope. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, and it... It, this is a character that she's not necessarily acting with all the information of what's going to happen next. You know, she's doing what she thinks is best at that moment, which lends honesty to it for me. 
Now, again, I, I, I certainly understand the viewpoint of my colleagues, especially people that say like, this is, this is a, uh, a rather well-known actor taking on a role in the star Wars universe. Uh, and there's not enough women and not enough people of color in this franchise and this galaxy. And so to kill her off so quickly is doing a disservice to her and to the character. I, I, I certainly think that there is merit to that. However, um, just looking at the story, I think it's honest because she doesn't have all of the information. She sacrifices herself doing what she believes is going to be right to save her crew and her partner, Beckett. Right, which is obviously the most selfless uh, act of love you can possibly do. And I, and I think that, yes, it would have been nice to spend more time with her, but Star Wars is full of that. There are plenty of characters and great actors that we didn't get to spend enough time with throughout the history of this franchise. And honestly, that I think contributes to some of the mystique of Star Wars and why now that we have all these extended things that are canonical, which I love and spend much more of my free time embracing than I probably should. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> um, the, the, there, that's going to fill in some of those gaps. And, and I'm kind of with you on that, Aaron. Like, I don't necessarily need all of that. I like sort of imagining or sort of some things. It's okay to not know everything that has a little bit more intrigue. That being said, I think that one of her roles besides establishing the grit of this entire team, which is very much like a, a, an unorthodox family, it does show that he has a softer side, which may be the intent of that is so that at the very end, when Becca does betray Han, maybe that is supposed to be more of sort of the, the punch to the gut because you see that he's got, you know, at least he spends time with Han. It's not like they, they spend a lot of time, you know, throwing stones into the pond together or, you know, riding roller coasters like courtship of Eddie's father or anything like that. But they obviously have some sort of a bond. That was a really, really old reference. Probably half of our audience. I know I was, what gonna... I was talking about. <laughs> well, Bill Bixby for everyone. That's yeah. right. Deep <laughs> but, but she does humanize him a little bit. And I think that's interesting. Why don't we go ahead and take a break and we'll pick this up a little bit later in the show. But when we come back, I'm going to talk to Aaron quite a bit more about San Diego Comic-Con because I need some pointers. This is Coffee with Kenobi. This is Coffee with Kenobi. Grab Lando's cape or Solo's dice and pose inside a life-size Topps trading card. Enter your photo on social media for a chance to win autographed prizes and download Star Wars Card Trader to collect new cards every day. Learn more by visiting the Topps booth at the Lucasfilm Pavilion. Our CWK pour-over shows from Patreon continue to garner lots of entertaining discussion and comments, and it's all because of our Patreon contributors, and I'm talking about people like our Coffee with Kenobi family members, Rebecca Raven, Dennis Keithley, Terry Lee, Lieutenant Law, Aaron Harris, Chris Scavarka, Angela Sauce, Mediocre Jedi, Crystal Hating, Chris Metz, LJ Souter, Thea Selby, Jeff Ellis, Daz Davies, Christian Dale, Jason Hall, Brian McKinney, Connie Shee, Mike Audette, Jared Cantor, BJ Smith, Eric Struthers, Nick Deco, and Mark Suter. CWK Pourover is the Patreon exclusive show that you are able to listen to for a contribution of $5 or more a month. You have access to our back catalog of shows too, and we are set to record our newest one 
actually tomorrow night, the night the night after I'm recording tonight's show of Coffee with Kenobi. So it's very exciting. The last one we got pretty deep, actually. We talked about fictional characters that inspired us, and we talked about film and in books, and I really liked it. It's really cool to hear what Tom and Corey think about things that are non-Star Wars related, as well as Star Wars, of course, but this just gives us a canvas to talk about everything on the table. Star Wars, superheroes, films, books, whatever is on our mind at the time. It's a very authentic conversation that I think you'll enjoy. Again, that's just for $5 or more a month. You also have access for a dollar or more a month to CWK Lens as well as our CWK Pour Over Show. And as I get to San Diego Comic-Con, I'm going to be posting a lot of things on Lens for people to get some behind-the-scenes things on. A lot of my commentary videos and pictures and things like that that you won't be able to find anywhere else. And if you're a Coffee with Kenobi Patreon contributor, there are coffee mugs, t-shirts, phone cases, a lot of things. And you could possibly host the show Coffee with Kenobi with me four times in one month. So be sure to go to www.patreon.com slash coffee with Kenobi to find out more. You heard me talk at the top of the show about One Nation Coffee. It is the official brew of Coffee with Kenobi. And for good reason, it's amazing coffee. It's delicious. When I'm going to be in Comic-Con next week, I'm going to miss it because this really is the best coffee in the galaxy. Be sure to go to OneNationCoffee.com, and if you put in the code KENOBI10, you'll get 10% off your first order. Plus, while you're there, set up a subscription service so you'll never miss that coffee that you're going to grow to love as much as I do. Again, go to www.OneNationCoffee.com for more details. We are back, and we are very fortunate that Aaron is on the show with us because Aaron is a... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. San Diego Comic-Con veteran, I think. Now that, I don't know if there's a blazer for that per se, Aaron, but you've been to quite a few Comic-Cons in your day. Yeah, that is, that is accurate. I, um, I don't even know how many I've been to, quite honestly. Wow. Uh, it's, it, it does seem like, um, now, I mean, to be fair, there are some of my uh, friends and uh, personalities out there that are old school Comic Con nerds that have been going, you know, uh, for decades. I can't say that I've been going for multiple decades, but uh, over a decade, so uh, more than a decade for me. So, well, that um, I would say that, yeah, I've been to zero. Yeah. So anything you say, you could even tell me something that wasn't accurate, and I believe you because you're Aaron, and I and I think you're a cool dude. But you're just well, let's thank gonna you. Kind of, well, <laughs> let's avoid giving you any incorrect information or tips, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too concerned. 
the so what I've I've been to to you know numerous celebrations. I've been to cons plenty in my life. I, I've done a lot of exciting things, but I've never been to San Diego Comic Con. How is this con different from celebrations or other different comics comic cons? Well, I, I think as you know, Dan, I've been to I've been to a lot of comic cons as well, and um, and I love them. I think every city has a different personality and a different vibe, and it's certainly worth exploring so many different fan events out there. With that said, San Diego Comic Con really is. Uh, the big show. Um, and this is, you know, this is the Super Bowl of nerddom. And really, I, I would say the Super Bowl of popular culture um, for the year. And what we find out, like all of the reveals, all of the things that we see will resonate throughout popular culture, not just nerd culture, uh, as, as we call it sometimes, but popular culture for the next, um, you know, couple of years, at least. So that said, like, it's also the most people, it's the most sprawling, it's the, uh, it's in many ways, the most tiring it is, um, it, it just separates itself in sort of the sheer commitment that it requires, but also the thrill that, that it delivers. Interesting. So you, I've had a lot of people tell me, of course, a lot of different things. One of the main things I keep hearing is that it's going to take me hours to get from one side of the convention floor to the other, and I won't be able to move at all. Can you verify this or hopefully tell me that's not true? Hours seems um, a little uh, a little bit of a over-exaggeration. However, <laughs> it will take you time. Um, and... I mean, as long as there's room what to move, find, I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, I'm, I'm not claustrophobic anyway, but, you know, there's lots to see. Well, the the challenging part is when you know you have to be to a place at a certain time, either for right. an interview, if you're conducting an interview, or you want to be attend a panel at a certain time, you need to give yourself a a, a lot of time. Give your give yourself extra time for literally everything. Um, whether it's even if you have a hotel that is a great location right in the gas lamp district, you are still going to either have to cross the street or cross a, uh, a footbridge to get to the other side where the convention center is. And uh, that's probably, I would give myself an hour to get from point A to point B. Uh, hours is not necessarily needed, but I would say an hour is probably uh, a safe bet um and that's yeah, just good it, time management takes... anyway oh yeah yeah i mean and it's you know you can have fun with it too i i mean why not have uh an instagram story throw up an instagram story as you're walking or go do a facebook live or um take a lot of pictures of cool cosplayers and uh along the way maybe take part in uh an activation or two one of the little side events that are taking place on the way. So um, give yourself time. But with that, I would say um, <laughs> if you're going to be doing any kind of tweeting or posting or Instagramming or whatever, you might want to bring a, a portable, an extra, an extra battery for your cell phone. And if you plan on doing any kind of blogging, 
and you want to make certain that you have some extra juice for your laptop as well because you certainly suck down the battery power at SDCC. And I'm guessing that the, I mean, I the celebrations I've been to, the Wi-Fi has been nothing necessarily spectacular. I don't, the ones I've been to, I don't remember there being anything special media-wise. But it was always hard to find outlets, so yes, extra battery packs are good. But does Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con have a good Wi-Fi situation? It varies. I mean, when you have, um, you know, they they report, what, 150,000 people officially going to the con? Um you know, so certainly that's going to be a drain on, I could be wrong with those numbers, but that's what I what sticks out of my brain. Sure. But yeah. So there's going to be a drain on that signal. Um, however, I have to say that, uh, compared to some other really large scale events, um, I, and this is not throwing shade on the convention, but I have to say like uh, New York comic con, which I also enjoy. And, uh, I love going to like, the, the signal at San Diego is better than New York Comic Con. So um so it's it's not the worst, but it certainly can be a drain as far as wanting to get those posts through and everything. Sure. Uh, and if you happen to be in Hall H and you want to file uh, a story or you want to send out a tweet about some sort of breaking news, good luck because that's when it's going to be prime time for sending messages through. So that could be uh, in Hall H at that time, that's when it gets a little bit ugly. Time to switch over to data then at that point. Even then, Even uh, then you, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you, yeah, good luck getting that, 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 that message through. So you mentioned Hall H. What is, is, have you, have you been to certain Hall H presentations that have, that have really stood out? Like, were you at the one where Tom Hiddleston not, yeah, was there as Loki? I've been to I've been to multiple Hall H's. Uh, yes, I was at that one, uh, wow. and I'm not saying this simply because of the the audience uh, right now. I would say the the most magical one for me was uh, the Force Awakens uh, panel, sure. where um, through some some uh, sources, I had heard that Harrison Ford was going to be there uh, still. Even though I heard that when when he took the stage, it was pretty amazing. But you know, J.J. Abrams announced that. Uh, well, we saw that sort of behind the scenes reel, which was epic and and spectacular and magical. But then, you know, uh, J.J. said like, "We want to bring you all to a, a this live concert uh, just at the the band shell um, down the road." It really it really stood out as perhaps the purest and most perfect San Diego Comic-Con moment I have ever had. And I believe it remains. So, I mean, walking into the, um, you know, the park and being handed a lightsaber to hold up when a, um, a, a live symphony is, is playing John Williams's music. Like that's, you, you can't beat that. Um, so that remains my favorite moment at San Diego Comic-Con and at Hall H. And um, it really lived up to the magic that that San Diego Comic-Con can provide. That That is iconic because, you know, like all the things you mentioned in the, the special concert and Harrison being there, because he's only been, he's, what, is that the only Comic-Con he's ever been to? I know he did a, an appearance uh, via video for Crystal Skull, but that's really his only actual 
geographic per, per uh, appearance. Is that right? I don't want to commit and say, I thought that he might have been at Cowboys and Aliens a oh, few years right. prior. Oh, right, yeah. But you you probably need to fact check me on that one. Yeah, um, no, I think but, you're right. Yeah, if only we had a way of, of accessing that. If only we had a machine that could find out facts I know. quickly. Well, if maybe someday. Only, someone should get on that. Yeah, if only. Very good. Well, so you, uh, again, you've been there and you've been there as a fan as well as uh, professionally. But what kind of tips would you give to fans besides myself? We're going to Comic Con for the first time. What what kind of advice would you give to them? Because this is, as you said, this is like the ultimate comic book convention because you've got comics, you've got film, you've got TV, and this is really kind of where it all started. What kind of tips would you give for for first timers of of this convention? Well, first off, I'm going to sound so old. However, uh, I'm, I'm sticking with this piece of advice: wear comfortable shoes. You need comfy shoes. You're going to spend a, a lot. Of, like if you're tracking your steps on the Fitbit, you're gonna you're gonna hit that hit those suckers in spades. So wear some comfy shoes. It's absolutely necessary. Um, like I said, have an extra battery, an external battery. Um, you know, when you show up at the con, you get a nice big bag uh, to put all of your your goodies in. For me, um, that uh, that bag is is I don't know. It's it's great, but it's a little too much for me. I prefer to have my own bag on me that I know how I can fit stuff into and still make it comfortable. So I think having a good bag is important. Um, stay hydrated. That's incredibly necessary. Uh, it's going to be hot out there, uh, so you want to make certain you're, you're you're drinking lots of water and. Um, you know, also protect yourself against the sun as far as have a good hat, uh, have, have some sunscreen on. God, I sound so old giving you all this advice. Um, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe carry some snacks on you. Oh, my God, I'm only sounding older. I'm not going to sound like anybody's grandmother and say carry a sweater. Take your vitamins. Uh, well, that's probably a good idea, too. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think I think the thing really is, is that you're not going to be able to do everything you want to do. It's just a fact. Like there's so much going on. You're just not going to be able to hit everything you want to do. So have sort of your A list, your B list, your C list, what you want to do, what you hope to do, like your, your absolute must. Uh, and, you know, be okay with the fact that if, if you don't do everything, you're still doing a lot. Um, and, and I think that that's important because, Look, you're, you know, people are spending a lot of money to be there, and it is a heck of a lot of fun, and you want to make certain that you're actually having fun. If you get so caught up in a schedule that you're never going to be able to meet, uh, you're going to start getting a little bit disappointed. So, um, you know, make certain that you, you, you know what you're willing to do, what you're willing to not do, and then just have fun along the way. Sure. Well, I, I downloaded the Comic-Con app or it said on the Apple store that it was the official Comic-Con app. And then I clicked it and it said information not available. And it, it directed me to WonderCon. So I'm wondering, maybe there's a better app to go to or maybe that was just a weird glitch. Um, I don't know offhand about that. I mean, I know that there's the the standard San Diego Comic-Con app uh, or maybe, you know, they might be in the process of updating it as well. 
But, you know, when you go on to whatever app store that you use, you can see which one is going to be the the official one and go with that. However, do your research in advance. If you if you show up the day of the con, whether you're showing up on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and you haven't thought about any of this stuff, it's going to be very overwhelming. And obviously, you're going to be dealing with a lot of lines. Lines are, lines are a reality at, at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So uh, do some advanced research now and start figuring out, you know, what, what you're excited about. So what the what is it like getting in the con? Because Celebration Orlando famously was was not a pleasant situation to try to get inside because it was just seemed sort of a mess. So what what are the lines like to get inside there? Well, I have to say that I do get to cheat a little bit as a journalist. Um, I get a press badge, so there is a entrance for press. Um, oh, the comic con even that can be. Yeah, and and that can also be long, and and that can be not an exceptional wait, but you might be waiting a few minutes. Uh, however, yeah, you know there are lines. It's I would say that it's fairly efficiently run. However, if you're showing up right when the doors open, there's going to be a crush of people. Um, the great thing about San Diego Comic Con, however, is there are people that go to the city and never step foot inside the convention center and still have an amazing con experience. And that's because there are so many activations and events and things that you can go to just as a member of the public. You don't even necessarily need a badge. Um, Some you do, some you do not. And so if, you know, instead of showing up right when the door is open, maybe go do something else and then go in like an hour or two later to kind of uh, reduce your time in the lines. Sure. Now, you, you did mention the this has just become um, the help, help Dan show, which, you know, um, I appreciate that because well, it'll help me bring more content to our coffee with Kenobi family members. But the the media entrances, is, is there just one media entrance or will, or will it be easy for me to find multiple opportunities? It's pretty much one section of doors, so you'll you'll be able to see the the main media entrance. Um, it's pretty easily, pretty clearly marked, and pretty easy to to get through when you have your media badge. Okay, which which that I have because they send it, of course, to us in advance. But do they give you lanyards, or do you have to bring your own? Because it didn't okay, come that so nice that's a, that is a a good question about the lanyards. Um, you should bring your own lanyard. Um, you can probably find some lanyards uh, at the con. However, um, you you might have... Okay, so you will probably be handed a lanyard upon entrance. Um, and they can be helpful, uh, but I don't find that they're necessarily the best lanyard and it's probably good to have your own. Um, I think last year I actually used the, um, a, a star Wars celebration lanyard cause it was a nice thick lanyard. It was, uh, and it was, um, you know, kind of decorative kind of showed off a bit of my, my, my nerd Um, but I don't assume that I'm going to get a lanyard. I, I like to get my own, uh, bring my own kind of themed lanyard. Okay, good. That's good to know. I, and I've got a 
selection I'm looking at right now in the studio. So that gives me good ideas. Yeah, the celebration ones are nice. Now, the uh, one last thing before we move on to our news segment. There are obviously, besides the opportunities and the panels and a lot of the major corporations and companies and, and studios have their own exhibits, the Lucasfilm one, at least what I saw online, appears to be have the biggest piece of real estate set out for its presentation. What, what, what have you seen from the Lucasfilm section of San Diego Comic-Con in the past that gets you excited about this year? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's Lucasfilm. So I always know that I'm going to be excited to, you know, whatever they're putting on display, I'm going to be excited about it, whether it's going to be, uh, I don't know if it's going to be a costume display or what. And previously we've seen some costume displays, um, you know, seeing like the, any new merchandise or, you know, books that are either coming out from the publishing division, um, or are out, those things excite me, but really, I mean, it's, it's just that it's a, it's a hub for fandom. So, you know, if you're, if you're a fan, which if you're listening to this podcast, you are, I'm guessing, uh, it's a safe, a safe assumption. There's going to be something for you there to enjoy and geek out over. Um, now with that said, uh, if you've got a packed schedule of panels or, you know, if you're doing interviews or whatever you may be doing, it can be get, it can be difficult to get over there. So for me, my schedule typically allows um, on Wednesday night, which is the preview night, is when I go to the Lucasfilm um, booth, the display, and then also I try to get over there on Sunday. So those are kind of my sandwich days. Those are my um, cushions to get over there and check out the things I want. Um, I will say that if you have your hot eye on any merchandise that you want to buy anywhere throughout the con, don't wait until Sunday because there's a lot of people and it might be sold out. It probably will be sold out. Go ahead and get it as soon as you know that that's the thing that you want. Um, unless you just like to leave it up to the, uh, you know, the, the universe to decide for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but buy early, if you know that that's, that you definitely want to get something. Very, very good. Thank you, Aaron, for that. That gives me good peace of mind. It's actually really good advice. A lot of what you said is good advice for celebrations as well. So definitely be sure to, uh, think about that as you're planning your convention excitement for next April, April 11th to 15th for comic con, I'm sorry. For Celebration Chicago, which will be fun. Aaron, I'm assuming you're going to that as well. I hope so. I mean, that's that's the plan. Good, good deal. Well, we will definitely see you there. As hopefully, Neil, will see you there as well, since you are, are in locally, or you're pretty close to the Chicago area. Yeah, I'm in Springfield, Missouri, so not too far away. I will be there. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Tom will bring us the latest Star Wars news. This is Coffee with Kenobi. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. 
At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. This is Vanessa Marshall, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Don't forget to download Star Wars Card Trader free in the Apple, Amazon, and Google Play stores as visitors who have the app downloaded on their mobile device will gain access to San Diego Comic-Con exclusive cards. Be sure to follow Top Star Wars Card Trader on Twitter at TopsSWCT and Tops Digital on Facebook and Instagram during the show to learn more. And when I'm at San Diego Comic-Con, of course I'm going to need a nice, clean, comfortable shave. I don't know that I have a lot of time between now and then, to be honest, to run out to the store and find different razor blades that match up and all this kind of stuff, and to get the shaving cream and aftershave, and I don't have to worry about any of that thanks to Harry's Razors. Harry's Razors is awesome, it's convenient, and it really does give you a great, smooth, comfortable shave. That's what I love about Harry's. And besides that, the shave gel is amazing, the glide, the weight of the razor handle, it's really, really awesome. Harry stands behind the quality of their blades, but they also know that switching razors is not an easy decision. We're loyal, right? We're loyal people. But this is the deal. They created a trial offer just for you. Claim yours by going to harrys.com slash cwkfamily. Harry's founders were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors with unnecessary features. They knew a great shave comes down to great blades made with sharp, durable steel that lasts. And that's why they bought a factory that's been making some of the highest quality blades in the world for over 95 years. By selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand. Just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more. And it's a quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, you let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a full refund. Simple as that. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. A weighted ergonomic handle five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash cwkfamily. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash cwkfamily to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. lot of major news today in our Star Wars news segment. Tom, what's going on in the world of Star Wars? Well, news this week has turned all eyes to Star Wars Episode Nine. So let's get started. After a few weeks of rumors, The Hollywood Reporter has confirmed that Billy D. Williams will reprise his role of Lando Calrissian in Star Wars Episode Nine. The recent rumors swirled around the actor bowing out of an upcoming sci-fi and pop culture convention, citing conflict with a movie schedule. Well, sources confirmed with The Hollywood Reporter that indeed Williams will be returning to the franchise. Billy D. Williams has had his foot back in the Star Wars galaxy in recent years as he has voiced Calrissian in various cartoon series and video games, and he was a uh, character his character, sorry, made a brief timeline appearance prior to The Force Awakens in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath series. And of course, Williams was present at the 40th anniversary Star Wars celebration in Orlando 2017. Well, filming of Episode 9 will begin later this summer. 
Well, this is obviously fantastic. We've been wanting this for a long time. And this is a guy that seems to enjoy life and he loves, you know, the character he's portraying. So this is this is very exciting. But you can't help but wonder, was this always in the works or did this sort of change with the passing of Carrie Fisher? What do you think, Aaron? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, first off, I echo your sentiment that this is certainly something that I think fans want to see. It's uh, As a fan myself, it's something that I, I want to see. I certainly want to see Billy D return. And, um, it, and it was something that I, back in, uh, I don't know, I guess uh, 2012, when they first announced that uh, Disney was taking over, I um, had a chance to talk to Billy D. Williams about uh, a potential return. So it was something that was on my mind you know, way back when, um, it's a good question. I, I do wonder whether or not it's, it's been in the cards all along. I suspect not. I, I do think that perhaps, uh, Carrie Fisher passing away did sort of, uh, escalate this, this need and want and plan. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him back. And, um, you know, i Kind of hope that he gets the Millennium Falcon back at the end of Episode Nine. Just saying. <laughs> oh my! Oh, I never thought about that. Ooh. Neil, yes. what about you? Are you happy to see Billy D back? Are you surprised? Oh, I'm surprised and I'm thrilled. Like all those emotions. Um, I mean, it's perfect because, especially with the untimely passing of Carrie Fisher. I mean, we almost need a original trilogy character with swagger to come back and Mark Hamill, I'm sure will appear as a force ghost or in some entity or his presence is definitely felt. And in the last Jedi, Harrison Ford's presence was felt throughout the entire film, but having Lando Calrissian in it. And, but I think one thing that would be wise for Lucasfilm Abrams and the writers to do, because Luke's character was fantastic, but he was broken, beaten down and then returned as a hero and then sacrificed himself. And then with Carrie Fisher, same thing, that strong presence, but she's injured. And then who knows what they're going to do with her character now. Um, but having Billy D. Williams show up with charisma and not actually killing him off, but just, just being a spark of life for it, whether you know he still is in cloud city or who knows, he might own Canto by, I mean, there's so many ways they can work him in it, but I think keeping him as just a, you know, the same, smoothie you know the old smoothie realm and just keeping him alive in it is the best way to go but yeah i'm i'm honestly i'm shocked because i i thought he wasn't going to be in it i thought you know if he was going to be in it the perfect place would be in episode eight and you know the last jedi for him to own canto bite and and they you know ryan johnson chose a different direction and i was okay with it so i just kind of moved on from it so when i saw Rumors building up. I'm like, oh, they're just rumors. And then, of course, it drops the other day. And I was like, <laughs> like, I'm at a loss for words. I'm actually really excited. Well, I was ready to write rumors off as rumors. But the one thing it makes me think is, what about Lobot? <laughs> in other <laughs> casting news. <laughs> what happened to that guy? In other, cast, in other casting news, sources have told Variety Magazine that Carrie Russell will be, will be joining Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, and Adam Driver in Star Wars Episode Nine. Russell, who is known for her ability to perform her, her own stunts on FX's The Americans, as well as Mission Impossible and 
dawn of the Planet of the Apes, joined several actresses in discussion for filling a spot in the cast. And in the Variety, uh, the or Variety's source says that director J.J. Abrams and Lucasfilm settled with Russell in early July. It is unknown who or what character Russell will be in the film or even whether her character will be a part of the First Order or Resistance. But it is the kind of news that makes the film just seem a little closer to reality. Doesn't it, though? And she's she's such a an amazing actress and such an amazing on-screen presence. And she's got sort of the best of both worlds because she's, she's very, very powerful and she can be very, very discreet, but she, whenever she's on screen, something is going to happen. And the Americans, I mean, that is some powerful television. I I mean, this, this is nice. And plus it's kind of cool to see her working with JJ again. Aaron, are you, I'm assuming you're a fan of the Americans. Yeah, uh, it's a great show, and um, you've probably and been on Harry the set. Is, uh, I actually, I have not been on the set of the Americans. Um, that's uh, you know, since a lot of my work is focused on uh, specifically genre stuff, um, I haven't been on the set, but just I've watched it as a fan, and I think that she's an amazing actor, and certainly excited to see her join Star Wars. I am going to be the one that says this. I really hope she is not Ray's mom. I know Thank some you. people have like been hoping for this and and like wow. the internet machine has been going in overdrive just saying like, oh, maybe she's... No, I don't want her to be Ray's. I want her to be an entirely new, different, compelling character. Don't be Ray's mom. Don't be Ray's mom, Carrie. If you're listening to uh, Coffee with Kenobi, <laughs> which I'm sure you are, JJ, Carrie, don't be Ray's mom. I, I wish that I had like um, a sound bite that I played when I was about to go on a Death Star rant, but I agree with you. And she doesn't need Ray's parents are not an, an important factor. It was very, very clear in the cave that she's good enough by herself. She doesn't. She doesn't need to be have pedigree to have value to have weight. And that is something that she lifts those rocks at the end of the film. But she's also lifting this pressure and this weight off of herself that she has to be defined by someone she doesn't even know that she feels abandoned her. So yes, I agree that we don't well, need that. We don't need that. We, she can be well, herself, let Carrie Russell be whoever. Well, okay, I will say this, and I, I don't want to take up too much time, but the one no. thing that, um, that I saw that did intrigue me, um, and this is courtesy of my colleague Donna Dickens, um, she said... Uh, Please let her be Mara Jade. Oh, boy. And uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. However, since we've seen sort of this embrace of, um, you know, the expanded universe that we've seen sort of, you know, uh, slowly little things, you know, we're seeing uh, we've got Thrawn again. Thrawn is back in our midst, you know, like, so I'm like, oh, man, like that is actually intriguing to me i don't think she is but it was this little nugget that just kind of the seed that planted itself into my into my brain so um so i don't, don't know. want her to I'm be not jackson that's okay. is that what you're saying jackson. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> neil any not thoughts so on much. carrie before we... no no <laughs> neil, any thoughts on carrie before we go on to our last story yeah i mean and this, you know, we're talking about all of us being old, so I might as well just embrace that fact. Um, and I'm, I'm not old. Fan. I'm just really wise. And got a lot of yes, I like that word better. <laughs> so, so being the wise man that I am, I've been a 
Carrie Russell fan ever since I was like nine, 10 years old. And she made that cameo on Boy Meets World and um, all that stuff. And obviously, I mean, you mentioned her working with J.J. Abrams again. I mean, J.J. Abrams was a lead writer on Felicity, which that's an underrated show. I mean, it's fantastic. So the fact bringing Carrie Russell back to work with J.J., whether she's Ray's mom or, you know, Resistance or First Order or whoever, like, I think they're going to be able to spark that magic again. I think it's a great casting and bringing those two back and having JJ with the opportunity to work with somebody that not only is he familiar with, but somebody that's as talented as Carrie Russell is a fantastic idea. Well, I suspect this will be a topic that will be discussed for what a year and a half or so. (laughs) Well, let's move on to our last story. We cannot have a July news segment without a little San Diego Comic-Con. So, Hasbro released information this week about a new exclusive Forces of Destiny set, Chewbacca and the Porgs. This set will be sold at the Hasbro toy booth at the convention. Get get your money ready, Dan, because the set includes an 11-inch Chewbacca figure, two Porg figures, now get this, a Porglet nest with two babies, and two accessories come with the set as well. It will retail at $49.99. And according to Hasbro, here's Hasbro's description, the Chewbacca figure is lavishly furry and makes true-to-entertainment sounds when activated, while the Porg figures feature soft flocking that makes them a, del- a delight to hold and feel. The package carefully recreates the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, making it a perfect display and is sure to delight collectors and fans alike. And the I, I wasn't sure, but the fact that it's lavishly furry, I think, is what's got me the most interested. That's some that's some spectacular adver, advertising. You know, that sort of writing is good stuff. So, as far as this goes, wait, I'm I'm sorry, excuse me. Everybody I've ever known in my life has been pestering me to pick this up for them at Comic Con because porgs <laughs> are so darn cute. Uh, I'm sure your your daughters were very excited about this, Tom. Yeah, I have to say though. Okay. And I mean, okay, now I'm going to make this comment and I mean it in all seriousness. Oh, I like this already. Because it is an exclusive. This is not going to sit on shelves at, well, there's no Toys R Us anymore. It's not going to sit on shelves in Walmart and Target. But I really think, now call me insensitive, whatever you want to call me, but I really think it should have had a roasted porg in the set. (laughs) Oh, no. Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Come on, Tom. (laughs) <laughs> no, my girls, my girls are so excited. I do mean that because I, I think what what speaks yeah, more cute. to fans as an exclusive, no, I than agree. a roasted than a roasted pork. But my, oh, my girls want, pop. Pardon? That'd be a good Funko Pop, or even like a uh, you know at the snack bar at Comic Con they can have roasted pork. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Like the roasted turkey I legs. That. I have those big old turkey legs. Just have a, a pork version. I mean. <laughs> It's, it's brilliant. Do you remember when Porg was first a thing and, and we sort of made it a goal to try to see how many times we could say the word Porg on a shell? Yes. Yeah, I'm glad we don't it's do bad. that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but Aaron, 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 how do you feel about Porgs? Yeah. I personally think they're awfully adorable. Uh, I'm, I'm pro-Porg. I mean, yes. especially with a little Szechuan sauce. And, uh, there you go. Good roast history. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the porgs. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, Tom, hey, thank you so much for bringing us the latest Star Wars news. Absolutely. My pleasure. Let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to look a little bit more at Beckett. 
This is Coffee with Kenobi. This is Coffee with Kenobi. Heading to San Diego Comic-Con? Stop by the top Star Wars card trader booth in the Lucasfilm Pavilion and take your photo inside a life-size Topps trading card. Post your photos to social media for a chance to win prizes and download Star Wars Card Trader to build your Star Wars collection. One Nation Coffee is the official brew of coffee with Kenobi. Four lifelong friends had this idea that has grown to some of the best coffee you're ever going to have. It smells amazing and tastes even better. So go to www.onenationcoffee.com to set up a coffee subscription and help get your morning start off the right way. And if you enter the code KENOBI10, you'll get 10% off your first order. It's the middle of July, you still want to take that summer vacation, and you really ultimately want to go to Disney World or Disneyland, but you think, oh my gosh, I don't have time, I don't really know what I'm doing, I haven't been there in a while, so much has changed. What's the easiest way to do this and still make it affordable? Well, you go to MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, of course, they are the official travel agency of coffee with Kenobi, and they've got you covered with signature service and expert advice to help clients maximize their vacation time and dollar. They're going to help your family enjoy everything the Disney theme parks have, plan every detail, and they're going to share invaluable tips with you to make all your family's Disney dreams come true. Check out www.milesfantravel.com today and make the magic happen for you. We are back, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Beckett, as I said earlier in the show. The only thing really I think that I would like to address with him, at least on on show number 133, is the ending. And it's that scene when everyone's looking at the door, and the, the the door slides to the side, and Beckett walks through. Tell me... Tell me, Neil, your reaction when you saw Beckett walk through that door for the first time and you found out he was the traitor. Yeah, honestly, it, it wasn't that surprising, but I, I thought it was fitting. Um, and actually with Beckett, and stop me if you're going to get to this a little bit later, but I thought it was really well done at the end when Han shoots, you know, Han shoots first, and they could have made that really cheesy. Like, he could have been like, always shoot first, kid, always, like something, you know, just really bad and awful, but they made that really natural and I thought that scene too, when he walked in, even though I was kind of expecting it, like it was well done. I thought it was really just fitting of, you know, foreshadowing of what Han, like we've already talked about before is going to do, you know, cause Beckett is just, you know, he betrays, you know, in an evil man in, you know, Dryden Voss and, you know, that really doesn't bug me a whole lot. I'm kind of glad that he turns on him and, and Han's observing all this, and, and that's kind of the route he takes for a while himself. But even though it wasn't that shocking, I thought it was well done. Aaron, what about you? No, I would I would agree with that. And the thing I would add to that is, yeah, it wasn't really it wasn't necessarily shocking. Uh, it was satisfying, and it was a good payoff. And, um, and which I think is like a, a nice cinematic move that even when you know that 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 thing is going to happen, um, it still is satisfying when it does happen. Um, and I think that that was, uh, that's, that, that was a good, uh, storytelling maneuver, um, by the filmmakers. Now, I, I would think that the, the thing that I would add to that is for me, Beckett is a guy that he's very smart and he always seems like he is, two steps ahead right 
but not really like he doesn't have all of the information. And um, so even in that scene, there was like a little bit of surprise as things were playing out, but they, but he is a character that is constantly adjusting and constantly like, you know, adapting to the situation. Um, and uh, that just, it further enhances the the character for me. When he first walks through that door, I remember thinking, I remember having two conflicting uh, ideas going through my mind at the time. The first one was, oh, that's disappointing because I, I, I really enjoyed him and how he was working with Han. And because there's a 10 year gap between this film and A New Hope, you know, who knows? Who knows what would happen? But then I, I also conversely thought, well, this makes sense. Of course, it's going to happen because you have to set up some sort of a conflict because, you know, he's not around in A New Hope. But it was still unfortunate. How did you both feel about Han's reaction? Because, you know, at first, Becca says, oh, you know, oh, don't don't give me that look, kid. You know, I told you not to trust anybody. When I heard that line, I got that. And I understand that it was basically telegraphed, whether your spire sense was tingling the first time you saw it or not. But it, it was too bad. But again, that this is another reason why I feel like this was this almost something of a missed opportunity, because with Han, whether the reaction to Beckett, because while he seems clearly upset then at the end of the story, when he has to to kill his mentor and, and kind of perpetuate this myth of redemptive violence, the, he's he doesn't appear to be heartbroken by it. It doesn't seem to impact or, or explain why he's so cynical or jaded, really. I, at least I don't think so. Yeah, Dan, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, they, they could have expanded on that during that initial scene where he walks in and yeah, you're right. I, I didn't really think about that. It really did not explain why Han was so jaded. I think, honestly, and, and it's already been talked about, but um, with Kira, like, I think that's was a little more thought out and played out in terms of Han being jaded because she betrays him. And you can tell that really had a lasting impact on him. But yeah, Dan, I think you're right. It it does in terms of Beckett's character, they could have taken that to the next level as well in terms of roughening Han's, you know, outlook on the galaxy and all that. See, I don't even think that she betrays him either. I think she saves his life. I think, yeah, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, I mean, she's obviously like, you know, obviously with him, but there was never really a promise. She, I mean, she told him, that's true. You know, on the planet that, you know, that she basically, that's not going to work. That's not who she is. But Aaron, what were you going to say? Well, I, I mean, I guess kind of speaking to both Kira and Beckett, like the, mm-hmm. I think what we're seeing here is in this story where we've seen so many, you know, light versus dark, uh, Han was a character that was presented in shades of gray. And even within solo, we're seeing a lot of that. And these characters inform that, you know, that it's not just someone saving or betraying. Uh, it's not someone just like, it's, it's, it's a lot of gray. Like all of these characters in this film are gray and, and, and Han is learning to be gray. He's, He's learning to operate in the middle. And, uh, even though he's, one of the good guys, as, as Kira tells him, you know, he's still operating within these shades of gray. So I think everything that Beckett is doing is, is just sort of further informing and reinforcing what will become Han's philosophy. As far as that goes, operate within the gray. Sometimes you got to shoot first. Sometimes you got to, 
you know, run out on someone and, and betray someone. Sometimes like, you know, maybe you've, you've taken a fondness to, uh, a princess and some farm boy from, uh, Tatooine, but you still got to scoot out of there to pay off your debts. Like, even though, you know, you may be leaving them to die. Um, you know, like these are, I, I think you can see the parallels there. Um, so, so that's, I, I, I think that that's, that's kind of what works for me is like informing these ideas of gray throughout. Right. Yeah. This is something where I hope to see more about Beckett and what makes him tick. I know there was a comic about him that I haven't got a chance to peruse yet, but again, more, more interesting things. One of the things I've been, I've loved so much about this film was these actors and the way they just they just chewed up scenery and there was legitimate chemistry and they very much disappeared into these characters and they just made it so fun. I enjoyed spending time with these characters on screen because of these actors and, and the energy they put into this and Woody Harrelson is no exception at all. Right. And I would add to that that I don't want to I don't want to exaggerate things and say that these are the most human characters that we've seen in Star Wars thus far that is that's not right. true but right. but in the real world people do operate mm-hmm. in they're not all good and not all bad you know they operate according to their motives and the uh selecting the best kind of options afforded to them at a given moment. Um, and that's not always necessarily the most, uh, ethical moral, uh, choice, you know? So, uh, and I think that these actors kind of bring that out, that, that it's, it was a, it was a fun movie for me. It was, it was a fun romp. It was a good caper. It was, but it's also like, these are deeply flawed characters and much like everyone that moves about, on uh, terra firma right here, you know, we are all deeply flawed. Absolutely. Indeed. That that's a, that's a good place to end this. You know, I was going to have this be half of a Becca conversation, half emphasis, but you both brought up some interesting points about Beckett that out of this conversation, if it's one thing coffee with Kenobi continues to show me is that because of the art of conversation in talking with, with awesome people like the two of you, it just adds so much more to this canvas of Star Wars and fandom. So thank you so much. Let's go ahead and take our last break. When we come back, we will close out the show. This is Coffee with Kenobi. Listening to Coffee with Kenobi, you are the podcast you're looking for. This is. <laughs> Before we get to email, I want to thank our CWK sponsors, Tops Digital, One Nation Coffee, Harry's Razors, and Mouse Fan Travel. Please support them the way they support our podcast. And remember to listen to new and archived shows of Coffee with Kenobi wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Spreaker, Overcast, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, or our website, www.coffeewithkenobi.com. And if you listen to the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, and Tumblr, and we'd love for you to check us out there. Also, be sure to listen to our CWK family of shows, including Legends Library, Rebels Reactions, Comics with Kenobi, and Lattes with Leia. Please leave a review for each of their shows as well, and be sure to subscribe to each of them individually, as they all have their own feeds now. 
A big thank you to Aaron Sagers and Neil Harrington for joining us today. Go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you and your contributions to Star Wars Fandom. And Aaron, let's start with you. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me on here. Uh, it's great fun, and I'm happy to come back anytime. And in the meanwhile, you can reach out to me and say hi on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron Sagers, A-A-R-O-N-S-A-G-E-R-S, and also catch me on Facebook. Yeah, I'm currently a uh, Star Wars free agent, a uh, Star Wars uh, yeah, freelancer, but in terms of social media, you can catch me on Twitter at Air Force Neil 3 and then I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all that, and just love talking Star Wars, and I echo what Aaron says. I mean, awesome time being here, and you know, I got a long ways to go to get my you know, my green jacket here. I'm still a rookie on, on Kenobi and still need to bite my teeth at San Diego Comic-Con, but uh, it's an honor to be here with you folks. Hey, an honor to be on with both of you, and we will have the Coffee with Kenobi seamstress get to work on those orange jackets for the both of you. That's going to do it for show 133. I want to thank everybody again for listening to and supporting Coffee with Kenobi and for contributing to the Star Wars conversation. We will be back next week for our San Diego Comic-Con blowout show, and also be sure to check out Patreon Lens and InstaStory and Twitter and Facebook because I plan on having lots of coverage and photos there. So much more to come as always. Thank you so much, everybody. This is the podcast you're looking for. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 